Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got a friend of the show and a friend of mine, Dwayne Adams. Dwayne, how you doing? I'm doing very good, Jay. God bless you. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, it's um, always great having you on the podcast. We've had some great episodes in the past. I encourage the listeners out there to go back. And if you like this episode, which I'm sure you will, go back and listen to the prior ones with Dwayne. Um, Dwayne, we're kind of in some crazy times right now with the COVID-19 and the you know the country getting shut down. And, and then coming out of that, uh, you know, we've got some rioting and looting going on and, and uh, people upset and uh, just kind of crazy times uh, since we last talked. Well, it's, you know, I, I it, it's way over my head, Jay. I, I never thought I'd see any of the, the 19 and the riots and all of it combined. It's, it's, it, I never see anything like it, Jay. It's actually, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's surely not the country that you and I grew up in. It's, it's really concerning. Yeah, it is concerning for sure. Um, here on the podcast, uh, I just try and talk about hunting and fishing and kind of stay out of all the mess. But the uh, reality is we're in it and um, we've just got to uh, keep plowing through and stay positive. And, uh, you know, I know with everyone's businesses and, and financial issues with the COVID-19 and country being shut down, people are, uh, you know, wanting to focus on hunting and fishing and have a little bit of um, an outlet to just kind of get some relief from thinking about all of that. Uh, before we get into specifically on this episode, I want to talk about uh, Kaibab deer hunting and uh, coos deer hunting because we have a deadline coming up here uh, next Tuesday on um, June the 9th uh, for Arizona. And before we get to that, uh, just talk a little bit about uh, elk hunting, um, what your outlook is, and how are you stacked up for hunters, or do you have any availability? What's going on out there? Well, I'm glad you brought that up, to be very honest with you. We had six archers and uh, all wonderful people that hunted with us before, but we lost them all, Jay. And uh, the reason, they lost their jobs, and they're, they're all in you know di- different states. Uh, they just lost their jobs, and and so when they they tell you things like that, the reality sets in, and you know they had the point guard, so they just turned them back in, and they'll come back. But that's that's reality, and I it's heartbreaking, and have, isn't it? It's it is. I was just getting ready to say when you have forty million Americans, you're going to affect them. And I've got and I have outfitters all over the United States that, that I'm friends with, and it's the same thing with them. They're losing business. I I talked to one of them in Arizona. It's a good friend of mine. And uh, he's lost ten, and and you know, and I've lost six, and I know some the boys up in Springerville and, and Prescott, and they've all lost clients, and it's it's all not our fault. It's right. not their fault. It's it's the fault of that reality is set in. So you better believe it. If it, anybody wants to hunt unit one, give me a call. I mean, we, I mean, we'd love to work a deal because we're we're literally this is the first time in over thirty years I do not have an archery elk client. That's unbelievable. Um, it just goes to show the craziness of the times. I encourage anyone out there that has Unit One uh, tag and is looking for a guide. Uh, Dwayne's got, you know, forty plus years of experience up there. And uh, Dwayne, uh, I'm sure by the season uh, starts, you'll be you'll be up and running. Um, you know, it's kind of crazy too on a year like this where we've got good moisture. 
Um, you know, I've talked to a handful of outfitters of well as well that have had cancellations and whatnot for elk season. So, um, yeah, definitely if you're out there listening, you've got a unit one tag, give Dwayne a call. Um, should be a phenomenal elk year up there as far as antler growth and bugling. I think it's going to be unbelievable. My my son Nick Nabaka and our grand, our grandsons, we went fishing up there for a week. And, of course, we fish in the morning, and we look at elk in the evening, and it was just, you know, unbelievable. Just two and three and 400 elk and everywhere you look, and the growth was unbelievable. Uh, so I – and it's – you know, there's still snow on Mount Baldy, so that always tells you that that, that uh, there's plenty of moisture and, and the green lush everywhere that the elk just were just mowing it down. So you bet. I think, And I think the Kaibab is the same thing. It's just going to be unbelievable. Yeah, Dwayne, um, let's uh, move on to the deer portion here. I want to start with coos deer, and I know a lot of the listeners get a a lot of uh, positive information when I just kind of shotgun down through the units, and on some of them, you're not going to have as much experience, and you can just say, you know, I I don't deal with that, and let's move on. Uh, and some you may have a little bit to say, and some you may have a lot to say. So um, let's start with the coos deer, then I want to dive into talking about the Kaibab, both uh, the early and the late hunts uh, here. But the Arizona coos deer units, uh, and, and again, you're, you're from San Manuel, which is, for those that don't know, it's kind of southeastern Arizona. It's kind of um, over by Unit 32 and 33, right sandwiched in between them. Um, but there's also coos deer in central Arizona and eastern Arizona. Um, so we'll start with uh, central Arizona. We'll just uh, go down the line here, and uh, uh, we'll start with the lowest number. We'll go with 6A, uh, unit 6A for coos deer. There's some gigantic deer there. There's not a lot of deer, but there's some world beaters in, 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 uh, in those big canyons. If you, if you can know how to glass, you can kill a, a gigantic deer in 6A. Don't you think 6A2, Dwayne, is one of those units that's pretty darn thick, and you're not going to see, like you said, the density is not high. Uh, but in some of these units where it's really hard to glass and it's super, super thick, maybe th- with timber or with brush or both, um, that l- lends itself to having an environment where a, a few big bucks are going are gonna to make it and get some age on them. That's, a, that's exactly why they're there, and you hit it right on the head, Jay. That's why there's some unbelievable bucks there. I actually think that there's more big bucks die of old age in a unit like 6A and some of these other ones than people kill because they can't kill them. It's, it's, it's that simple. Uh, unit 21, which is kind of uh, south of Camp Verde, uh, west, excuse me, east of I-17. There's some gigantic bucks there, too. It's the same scenario. You know, once you get around... <clears throat> that real thick country, uh, there's some big, big bucks in 21. And, and every year somebody kills, you know, a 120 or 130 type deer out of there. I think one of the things about 21 as well as, you know, some of the recent fires we've had over the last handful, and let's even say the last, you know, seven, eight, ten years, uh, and, and some of the more recent fires, some of that thick country has burned, and it's got some very remote country. It's, again, it's a pockety unit. Um uh, as well. Okay, 22, uh, the Matazel Mountains. Same thing. It, it's the exact same thing. 22 has just unbelievable bucks. And it's exactly what you just said a minute ago. The Matazels burned years ago and that opened that up. And then you have the fire above Payson and the same thing. So all, all that whole rim, all in there, there's some gigantic bucks in that country. Unit 23. 
same thing. I think I think twenty three has. I've got a couple of friends that's killed bucks in there in the one thirties, and 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 they've got little pockets and 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 the the difference is is they're sitting there and they're looking at that same hole all the time, hoping that they get a little opening, the deer comes out in it. It's not like hunting down south, but once you've have developed that kind of ability to sit there and keep looking, you have a chance to kill a big buck. Yeah, and I think one of the things about 23 is it has low desert, you know, coos deer down in the low stuff. You know, you can be chasing them in the cactus um, all the way up into the pine. So it's it's definitely a unit that has a lot of diversity of, of terrain. Uh, 24, uh, let's see, 24A. Uh, 24A is, is is exactly like you just said a minute ago. It has a desert all the way down into Hayden, all the way back up past Globe into Seven Mile Wash, and all the way over towards Roosevelt. So you have it. You have a Salt River Canyon, <clears throat> which I've hunted along in there you know, several times. In fact, my son-in-law and I, when we were going up to to the to the mountains, I I showed him eight or ten places that I'd killed ten or eleven bucks of clients, and uh, and he told me I didn't even know you ever hunted here. I said, Nick. That was before you were born. <laughs> you weren't even <laughs> thought of then yet. That's what it, he started <laughs> laughing. I said, so that's how long there's some great bucks in 24A. Uh, 24B, Superstition Wilderness. I think that's a sleeper. And I and I tell you, the fire, it, it, as devastating as it was, it's still unbelievable now because the growth is starting to come back. And there's some really big bucks in 24B, but but you have to lace it up to go into those places. And for most people, they, they can't do it or don't know how to do it. But the person that can, 24B is a sleeper. For sure. I definitely agree with that. Uh, spending a bunch of time in there last year uh, looking at sheep, uh, it's definitely a place where a deer could get big. And it's very remote, probably one of the more remote units um, that I've been in. Uh, as far as looking at different coos deer habitat, and I think that burn will only do it uh, really good over the next couple of years. Okay, uh, 27, uh, unit 27, 28, so it's like the Blue River um, and the Palencio Mountains. Well, I, I, there's some of the most biggest bucks in the world, I think, live in 27. Um, and it's just exactly what you're saying. There's, there's so much water, there's so much habitat there, that you either go in on horseback down to blue or any of that country all in there. It's, it's just not accessible unless you want to lace them up and go in it. And there are a lot of, of my cousins and relatives in that Marinci area that have killed some gigantic deer and they, they kill them uh, consistently. It's not like they kill one every four or five years. If they get a tag, they kill a big deer. 29, the Chiricahuas. I don't like the 29. And the reason I don't like it is because, the access is cut off. It used to be where you could get access and get around and get into 29. If if you have that access that you can get in, it's a really great unit. But if you don't, you're in trouble because they, they got a lot of the roads blocked off. Don't you think some of that private property and lack of access actually, like you said, if you do have access, it could be just a world-class hunt. But if you don't, you're in for you know just a rude awakening. Well, there's a young man that grew up here, and his dad was my football coach, and he has access in there, and he's killed two bucks in the 130s. But he has access to get in there, and he tells me, Dwayne, I'm just driving in there, and I can glass, and, and you can see the deer. Nobody, there's nobody that, that can get into it. So, sure, they have a chance to grow up. But for an average person or even non-average, 
you, you can't get in. So it's that's why I tell clients I'd stay away from there unless you have access. Okay, uh, 30A, several mountain ranges, the Dos Cabezas, the Pettigrosas, and the Swiss Elms. It's a good place. Uh, it's, 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 it's always been good. I've hunted four or five times out in there. It's, it's a good, there's some big bucks there. Uh, 30B, the Mule and Dragoon Mountains. That's, that's another problem with access. Um, so I kind of stay out of there. There's a lot of those ranches that if, if you can get in, great. If you can't, you got problems. Uh, 31, which is Mount Graham. And... I think 31 is another sleeper. You know, they've got fires on Mount Graham's and Mount Teresa, you know, every once in a while. And that's and those deer have moved back down into the desert. They're all around 31. And there's a lot of good bucks that are killed in 31. Uh, so that's another good buck, good place to kill a big buck. I think that habitat, too, like you said, in the Santa Teresa's that border the San Carlos Indian Reservation there, um, there's yes. a chance for a big deer to slip through and, and um, you know, get some age on them. Uh, a few years ago, Jay, we killed, I say a few years ago, 15 years ago, I killed a 122 in that country you're talking about, and uh, everybody drove by him, Jay. He was down low, and I just happened to find it down there, and then... We went in there a couple of days later and ended up killing him. And so, yeah, it, it, it has a great potential. Isn't it funny, Dwayne? It, I, I find myself um, saying what you just said where someone will say, what about this? And I say, oh, a couple of years ago, you know, I did this or that or I caught a fish here or this. And I think, and I go back and look and it turned out it was like 14 years ago. I'm like, golly, time's flying. Yes. Uh, unit 32 right in your backyard, the Galeros and the Winchesters. Very difficult mountain range because the access is uh, very limited. And so they've got you blocked off from all around. But I've sent a lot of backpackers in there. There's a lot of deer, but you, 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 there's no road that goes into the mountain range. And, and so and if anything that's close, you've got seven or eight or ten cars parked there. So, But if you're willing to, to lace them up and go in, there's some tremendous deer in the Galeros. You know what's interesting to me, Dwayne, is you've got 32 and 33, and you can actually be in the Galeros and look across, just across the valley at the Catalinas. And it's, I mean, from a density standpoint, in my opinion, it's two, it's like apples and oranges. I, it's so mind-boggling to me how the Galeros, yeah, they have some good deer, but it, it just seems like the, you know, the crown jewel of 33 is just across the valley, and those two units are so different. Well, that's a, it's night and day, to be honest with you, Jay. The, the 33, to me, is one of the premier units in, in the whole state to kill gigantic coos deer. And they're from the top of Mount Lemon all the way down to Salmon Well. They're all around Oracle and, and then the Rencons, and they're they're – and I think the fire is the best thing that ever happened to it because a lot of the places that, that these deer are now, there were very few deer because the manzanita was so, such over their heads. I think the lions could just wipe them out and they didn't have a chance. But now all that's burnt. And so there is so much country there that, that's uh, got gigantic deer. And I tell people if they want to kill a big deer, I'm talking big. If you can lace it up, the Catalinas is the place to go. Dwayne, what do you think um, – this was brought to my attention. Um, there's actually an October 16th through the 22nd 
then in October 23rd through the 29th, then November 6th to the 12th, uh, then a muzzleloader hunt the 13th through the 19th, uh, and then November 27th through the 6th, and December 11th through the 31st. I, I started out by just mentioning that early hunt, the 16th through the 22nd, but then I started looking at it, and there's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six different hunts in 33. At some point, am I wrong? At some point, you know, having uh, anywhere from, you know, 425 to 500 tags, at some point, are they going to end up shooting that mountain range out? I mean, we seems like we say it every year, but it continues to produce. Well, I think that they're at that point and now. But I say that, but there's still places you can walk into. There is nobody. Right. The front face, the front faces of the Catalinas, Jay, is one of the biggest sleepers that there is. And I, I, and probably a lot of people on the podcast, if they hear me saying that, are going to be mad. But I'm telling you, the Catalina front faces from the Mount Lemmon Road all the way to Pima Canyon, all the way around into the state park, you can lace them up. And I'm telling you, within 35 or 40 minutes, there is nobody there. And there's just unbelievable bucks that lives in those faces there. But it, it's not an average hunter that can hunt there, Jay. you you got to be a guy like me. you got to be a guy like you. you got to be a guy that is really wants to put the effort in to get in there. And there are a lot of people that there is there, that, that, that live in Tucson and know those places. But there's some gigantic bucks on the front side of, you know, uh, from Sabino Canyon all the way, just go up the road, get out, start walking, and there's some big bucks that you got to be willing to, to, to put the effort in. That being said, there is too many hunts, and, and the deer that are in the marginal areas are wiped out right. because they have no chance to grow up. But the deers that are back in, in that country, you know, Alder, Edgar, Buman, all the way down in, into the, to the Rincons, well, there's no way in but to lace them up, and there's only so many people that, that want, want that kind of a hunt. They're they're not a everybody out there doesn't want to backpack in. Right? Do you think normally we're talking about the October hunt being you know that tw that end of October? I've got to think that October 16th through the 22nd is a phenomenal hunt because they're they're still in that you know kind of pattern almost summer pattern they've 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 gone hard horn but they're not quite as wary as they get you know towards the end of october what do you think about that first hunt i've, I've killed a quarter of the of, i've killed 42 voted crockett bucks with clients in, in my lifetime but i've probably killed 15 16 17 and that and it was the first day of the early season and we all and we had patterned the deer and knew where they were going what they were doing and and i close the gap we'd walk in there you know it's, it's two and three and four hours before the sun come up and be sitting there and kill those things within an hour of the sun coming up that's how i killed all those deer but that being said jay once that first shot goes off and and they bump those deer if somebody bumps them that the rodeo's on because you better have place two three and four that nobody's messed with because those deer are leaving and they're leaving now Unit 34A, the Santa Rita's. Unbelievable unit. Uh, we guide it a lot. I love it. We kill a lot of great deer there. I killed three good bucks there last year. The client that I had has killed 23 bucks with me. He's been hunting with me you know, for almost 40 years, and, and he's drawn all the tags that he's hunted with me, 
all over southern Arizona. They've just been the middle hunts, not the rut hunts. We just the leftover tags and and we draw it. But uh, we killed a hundred three inch buck there last year, and he's seventy four years old. That's awesome. One thing I like about the Santa Ritas is you've got good access on both the west side um, and the east side. You know, with the west side being there uh, with uh, what is it I I nineteen going south. Um, yeah. And then over on the east side, you know, you've got, I think it's Highway 83. You've got really good access to move around uh, in that unit. And it it's one of the most beautiful units as far as coos deer habitat um, as well. Okay, 34B, the whetstones. I, I don't know it that well. Okay. I, I never really hunted there. Uh, 35A, the Huachucas. Uh, same thing as I don't hunt down there because a lot of that Huachucas the base runs into it, and so I, I just kind of stayed away from those. 35B, the Patagonias. I love them. The Patagonias have got some great bucks, and and there's a lot of access there. And That's one of the reasons I stayed there instead of the other two units that you just referenced to because there's so many roads in, that you could go in different directions. And uh, About 10 years ago, Luke, got a, my boy, got a, a leftover tag, and we got after a buck. We thought it was close to 120. And we didn't kill him, but we chased him for five days and seen him twice. But he was in a thick thing, and and but literally in the process of that, we ended up letting thirty some odd bucks go trying to find that buck. So and and I've guided there several times. It's it's a very good unit. Thirty six A. I love it, and that's a unit that's very hard to figure out uh, for most people because they drive by the deer. A lot of those deer are right in the bottoms, out in the flats, and that's where I learned to hunt desert deer 40 years ago was right there in 36A where nobody really looks, and, and they're driving, trying to get up those mountain ranges, and those big bucks are down there where nobody looks. 36B, the Tumacockeries and Atascosas. I, to me, it was one of my most favorite units for a lot of years, and it's not anymore because they've got so many ta tags and so many hunts there. And it reverse of 33, there, there's no access in 33. There's access just about everywhere you want to go at 36B. And so there'll be a four-wheeler of trucks. And, you know, and, a, and I don't know what the tags are numbers this year, but it was as high as 800, like four hunts. And it's, that's too many. 36C, the Baba Kibris. That's a great unit. It, you know, they've killed some big, big bucks there. Uh, but it's the same thing. I've killed most of my big deer out on the mountain. I killed them down on the flats. When you talk about, um, and we've talked about this before on some other podcasts, uh, these deer, you, you've talked about, you know, people choosing areas to hunt, watch out for the middle of the mountain, watch out for the prettiest coos deer country. You kind of want to stay out of that because it's kind of the middle range. It's kind of where everyone goes. Do you still stick by that? Yeah, I especially, I don't do that. Not, not on the first hunt, I don't, because that you got a chance. But boy, once you got two and three hunts and they pounded them, those deer are either way, way back in, close to the reservation, or they're down in the flats where nobody, where they feel safe, you know. I'll tell you a story, Jay, and I hope Luke listens to this because I glassed a buck down there out in that flat at about a mile and a half, two miles, and I told Luke, I said, Luke, I said, here's what you're going to do. And now, he was in college the other day, so he needed money. <laughs> and he said, I had the hunter. He said, what are we going to do, Dad? I said, you're going to walk down that road. I said, about two miles, son. He said, then what? I said, then, I said, I'm going to motion you, and you're going to get over, 
When you see me, I want you just to stand there for about 30 minutes. That The wind's blowing this way, Luke. He's going to smell you. And he said, you think it's going to work? I said, if this ain't going to work this, Luke, we got to do something. And so he said, so he went on down there, and, and I motioned him over. And I'm going to tell you, Jay, he went there 10 minutes, and the buck stood up. And here he come walking towards us. And he kept walking, and he kept walking. He didn't run, Jay, and then he, he just kept walking. He walked us in 300 yards of it, and we shot it. Unreal. You got him? Uh, we killed the deer. And Luke, Luke heard the shot go off. And he come around, he come up there, and he said, did you get him, Dad? And he said, I said, we got him, Luke. He said, who would have believed that? He said, who in God's name would have believed that? I said, Luke. I said, what was we going to do, son? He said, oh, I, I, I know what you did. He said, but that deer could have went any direction. But I said, but the wind was blowing this way, Luke. I begged you it was going to come right up to, in this direction. At least we could get a chance at him, and we killed him. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Um, all right, let's talk about... October, and you've touched on it, but the October, November, December hunts, everyone wants to hunt the December hunt because of the quote-unquote rut. And we've talked about before how, you know, a lot of times you don't see a ton of rut or very much rut until after Christmas, even those last couple of days. Um, do you think too much emphasis gets placed on those December hunts? Oh, I do. I, I, I really do because... Uh, there are a lot of great coos deer hunters killing those deer outside of that hunt because that's so such hard to get, to get that thing. But I, I, I think once you learn to be a good coos deer hunter, you don't need to run. And it's sure the run helps. I mean, I, I mean, I'd be silly to say it, it doesn't help, but I don't think you need that, that to kill a good deer. I think if you have good glassy skills and you stay on that program, I think you're going to find yourself a big buck. Dwayne, while we're still on coos deer, um, I want to ask you specifically about desert mule deer and would you mind, you know, maybe spewing out two or three of the desert mule deer units that you think um, people should consider? Yeah. Uh, one right out of Phoenix is 39. It's 39. It's, a, it's 39. There's a sleeper. I helped a friend years ago chase some sheep in there and uh, I was absolutely flabbergasted that uh, there was some really great uh, deer there. And 37A uh, may be one of the top units. And the reason being is they do not do not have any August hunts there with a bow. They do not have any December hunts with a bow. You have 15 days in January, then they shut it off. So and that's that has let those bucks grow up there. And so they and, and they don't have a lot of tags with a rifle hunt there. So there's some great big deer in 37A. We all know about 37B, but 37B is pounded hard because it's open all the time, and they give a lot of tags there in 37B, and the access is, is pretty hard. But there's, there's still some big bucks in 37B, but uh, I think 37A is, is a lot better. And then, of course, 36A down south is, is always a great deer place to chase desert deer. Do you do desert coos deer hunts? Yes. Yeah. I, with a bow, you mean? No. Well, rifle. Do you do any of the rifle um, desert coos deer hunts? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure we do. We, 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 we A lot of times, that's where we're hunting. Okay. Okay. Um, 
Before we get into the Kayabab and talking about that, uh, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, Cody Nelson, my friend of 20 plus years, uh, is the glassing guru, the optics authority. If you're looking for any um, binoculars, tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with optics, with glassing, give Cody a call. Uh, he's the optics manager there at GoHunt.com. You can reach him at 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. You can send him an email directly at optics at GoHunt.com. And remember, when you call that line, he's going to pick up. It's Cody that you're going to get. You can also text him or call him on his cell phone, 602-399-3699. I also want to remind you guys it's application season. Remind you about the GoHunt Insider uh, just for signing up using the J. Scott promo code, you can get a $50 GoHunt Gear Shop gift card. Uh, just go to GoHunt.com forward slash J. Scott. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Uh, you can find out more by going to their website and ordering directly off their website. That's the only place to get the gear. That's KUIU.com. Uh, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. They just uh, released their new Velo, uh, their, their third camo pattern. It's the Velo pattern. Um, it's a really, I just, it's just been coming in over the last week, getting a few of the, uh, pieces in the Velo and I really like it. Uh, you can also, um, go to Kuyu, that's K-U-I-U.com to find out more. Also phonescope.com, use the J Scott 20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount, uh, on all orders. Uh, Dwayne, let's jump into the Kayabab. And let's talk about uh, 12A East and 12A West. And give me the uh, rundown on 12A East, uh, and then we'll talk about the West. I think the East is uh, has some tremendous deer. It's just not any tags. Uh, it was 250 tags four or five years ago, and they're down to 95. And there's 30 on the late hunt. But we killed uh, Nick and John Bouchamp, uh, two guys that guide for me, uh, killed a 208 there last year. And they also killed a 190. And and so the east side has uh, is exploded. And another young man that guides for me, uh, John Weiler, killed a 193 on the late hunt. And we got in trouble on the late hunt because there was so much snow that we couldn't get around. And it, it actually it killed us. We... Uh, young man that i was helping we were stuck five times in, in in less than about two hours with chains on all the way around so that got ugly but there's some big big bucks on on the east side do you think with the snow uh on that east side hunt do you think that there were deer and do you think this year will be even better because of deer that that you know are holdover deer yeah well that's exactly we talked to i talked to four or five different guys uh uh, Nikki and I did, and they were going home because they just they couldn't equip, they weren't equipped to stay, and they were staying at Jacobs Lake, and and uh, they were stuck in the parking lot with about two and a half to three foot of snow, so there was no access even to get down to get to the deer. So you better believe it; those deer made it. They, they, if they if they didn't kill those deer within the first three days, then they got in trouble because that's on that fourth day is when those the snow started coming and it and it got ugly. With the late hunt, there's only 30 tags, and I believe you, you were correct. It's 95 tags on the early hunt. Um, there is a big discrepancy in a one-month period of time, though, between hunting them on the early hunt and the late hunt, isn't there not, on the east side? Yeah, yes, yes, big. Because the rut is, 
almost every year is full time swing rut at that time, and there and there, so you have a great chance to find some does and and kill one, you know, and then, and <clears throat> those deer move down to the Cox Cones and you know down to Buffalo Ranch and on and on. But yeah, there's some there's some uh, there's some gigantic deer. We we seen two deer that were just unbelievable. We couldn't get to them because of the daggum snow. We were stuck in Yak Yak, but they were way over 200 inches. How long have you been hunting the Kaibab? This year, I've been guiding it 40 years. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right, the east side, as far as access compared to the west, um, how is how is it getting around on the east side? And it's not as much access. There's only two roads off the top of that mountain that, that, that go down to the bottom. You've got the east side game trail, and then you got one road that falls off the top, and that's it, where you got to circle around and come into Buffalo Ranch. There's not as much access by any means. There's roads all over the west side, but those canyons, those fingers that, that fall off off there, is you either have to lace it up and walk out to it, or you, you can't hunt them. All right, let's talk about that west side. So more access, um, a lot more country. Would you agree there's a lot more habitat? Yeah, there's there's probably three times the deer are more or more on the west side, and the, and, the, and the mountain gradually falls off, not like the east side where it falls off thousands of feet. And so the food changes as it, as it goes all the way down. And so... Uh, the key to that kaibab is all where those deer are going to be in the food. I, I want to I, I want, something I want to talk about. Last year, I told you that the deer were going to be in the oaks, and I was wrong. They weren't. I went down there, and I wasn't there thirty minutes, and for whatever reason, it was a very poor oak crop, and those deer went through that and went on down. There was a little bush that that, uh, and I don't know the name of it, so I'm not going to act like I do, but. In the high country, these deer, every time I've seen these deer, and it doesn't grow but about 12, 14 inches off the ground, those deer were gorging themselves on it. And they were eating that thing like crazy. And so when I seen that, and I went to a couple of canyons I know on top, and then that's where we killed those deer. They were, they were in that air eating off that bush that it wouldn't quit. They, yeah. So they didn't fall down to the next level. Were you? Ta are you talking about the early hunt uh, when you were? Yes, me I they am. Gonna be, you told me they were going to be in the transition. So yeah, a bunch I, of deer. I met a friend of yours, Jay. <laughs> I met a friend of yours at the gas station, and he said, "Mr. Adams." He says, "I'm a friend of Jay Scotts," and I said, "Yeah." He said, "You you told Jay that they were going to be in the in the, in the Oaks," and I said, "I did, and they're not." I said <laughs> because, and I, I said I did that on a podcast, and they're not. And I told him. And I can't remember the gentleman's name, but I said, listen, I said, there's a little green bush. And I said, it's, and it's got this kind of prickly stuff on it. I said, that's where those deer are. They're on top. Just And I said, just kind of look at the bush. It grows out in the open. It doesn't grow. And I said, if you hunt those canyons, and I, I told him a couple places to go. I said, that's where we're killing the deer. And people are driving by them, but those deer are eating that little bush. Would you say most years the early hunt that, you know, the majority of the deer are still up on top and, you know, there's obviously some resident deer in the middle zone and, and down down low, but most of the deer are on top, are they not? That's exactly right. That's their, their I, Jay, I think that they stay up there, you know, until, you know, they're pushed out of there and, and they get pushed big time when that gun goes off. Uh, when those guys start shooting and chasing and all that, those, those big deer don't they hate that and they, they just start moving and, and I think they move to where there's it's nobody bothering them and there's other people they just keep moving and uh, that's what I found 
Uh, about eight or nine years ago, Brett Kelly, a young man at Guy's Farming, killed a 225. And there's a little canyon that we hunt that it's midway round down. And he glassed across the canyon. The deer was laying there asleep with his head on the ground. He was wore out. And, and, and when he killed it, he come back to camp, got all of us. We went up there. We, when we gutted that thing, there was hardly nothing in its stomach, Jay. It had been walking and probably been chased from place to place to place. And that we had come up with that. And uh, it hadn't stopped and fed is what I'm trying to say. And, sure. uh, and it was wore out from being pushed for 20 miles. And uh, uh, we killed it. Looking at the 12A West late hunt, it looks like the tags, you know, they used to be 100 and they've dropped uh, last year to the last two years at 70 or last year at 75 and this year they're at 75 as well. How do you think that's going to help the quality of bucks? And did that same storm where you guys had a ton of snow, did that also hinder the uh, 12A West hunt? And do you think those holdover bucks? Yeah, it hindered it horribly. Uh, where we camped down there, my two of my guys' camps uh, collapsed, and they spent the day trying to get out, and they moved to Canab, and then they had to kind of try to come into Oak Corral, and they fought the snow so bad that they had to, they were bringing five gallons, of, uh, three and four or five gallons of gas, you know, 15, 20 gallons, just to get out of there because it was four-wheel drive chained up. You know how that goes. They just eats gas like crazy. So they couldn't get to any of the places that they wanted to hunt. So it it, it really had – there's a tremendous amount of bucks that made it, that made it through that, that would have probably got shot. So would you say you're more optimistic about the west side going into this season than you have in a long time? Yes, by, by far. Yeah, I had a gentleman, uh, uh, and we killed his deer on the second day, and uh, and it scored 190, and uh, it, it was a, and I, and Mark couldn't couldn't get around. He had some heart problems. Uh, his, he had uh, several heart operations, and I and I told him, I said, Mark, that's a great deer. I said, there's a big storm coming, and I said, you want a 190 or better? I said, that's a 190 deer. He said, that's a great deer. And he shot it. He sent me a picture about two days ago. He's tickled to death. And then he, he almost didn't get his trailer out. I mean, it, he, he was tickled to death to get, and he killed the deer and got, and got out of there before it, it turned upside down. Man. Uh, what about 12B? Do you spend much time in 12B? Yeah. Yeah, we hunt. I, I don't hunt 12B on the early hunt but because those deer haven't really poured in there from Ponsagot and they haven't poured in there from the Kaibab. Uh, there's still some good station bucks in the vermilion cliffs and on the back back there but there are no there are no herds of them you better know where they're at if you're going to go get them but yeah we, we we've killed some great deer on the 12b on the late season 12b would you say what would you say as far as if you were looking at upper end bucks what's the best hunt uh 12 12a east late 12a west late or 12b late I would stay with the twelve B. I would. I mean, I'd stay with twelve A East and twelve A West uh, because if if they don't move, they're going to be at those two places. Right. And so I don't. I don't want to go on an Easter egg hunt. I'd rather have have to st still have the deer in my unit. If you had to choose between twelve A East and twelve A West late, which is your favorite? I'd take the West. West. Do you think there's ever a point where that will change, or is it just because of the amount of country and the amount of deer that makes that late hunt just better on the west side? 
I think that it's uh, I've been there so many so long that I I know holes that nobody knows about. That that I that that sometimes we will check them, you know, and there's no deer there, and then we'll go back and check them two or three years later. For example, I had a rancher that hunted with me about four years ago, and, and there was a little hole we went and checked, and we hadn't killed a deer there in four or five years. And there were 11 bucks in there, were three bucks that were, were over 200 inches. And, and there's nobody been there. There's no, nobody been there for years. And for whatever reason, they're in that hole, and we, we, we killed, killed a great deer. Dwayne, how much does hunting those early hunts on the east side and the west side, how, how much, you know, for a 40-year period, how much does hunting that a month before you come for the late hunt kind of set you up for success on the late hunt as far as noticing things that the deer are doing or being able to predict where they're going to be because you're hunting them a month earlier on the early hunt? Well, listen, Jade, what's good about that is the guys that work with me are good people, and, and, and we're going to different places. So, for example, uh, somebody will run down to jump up. And, and, and we've got some holes down there and or slide and they'll say they're not there. So that stops all the nonsense of running around in the hunt. But if you go down there halfway, three quarters through the hunt and you see sign there, then we know that one of those holes that we're hunting down there is there's going to be a lot of does. And there's going to be a big buck move into it. So that, that's, that saves you a lot. And, and, and also that being said, if they've left the Oaks like they did last year, and they've already moved through there. There's a lot of people that are hunting the oaks for three or four days, thinking that there's going to be deer there, and they're already 20 miles past that. So it stops a lot of the nonsense. It, we're going right to where we know the deer are instead of where we think they're going to be. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, Dwayne, I know you give a ton of glassing lessons, and I'm sure with the COVID-19 it was probably uh, – a little less than normal this uh, late winter and, and spring. Um, but I get messages. You know, I know we've talked on the podcast. I've probably gotten, I would say, 30 to 50 messages from guys that, and every single one of them says how much value spending a day with you, getting a glassing lesson and learning that angle of the dangle and, and all of those different things that you go over. Um, talk a little bit about your glassing lessons and are you going to start those back up? Uh, we started them uh, two days ago. I gave the first young man, uh, a, a really nice man, uh, glassing lessons. And he came from your podcast. And and he's a typical guy that, that, that has not had or just wants to go find some deer. He doesn't, he doesn't care if he kills a big deer. And in the course of that lesson, I gave, we glassed over 40 coos deer. And in every situation, I explained to him what's going on right? and, and why we're doing this. and why. He said, Mr. Adams, he said, you make it easy. I said, look, son, I said, in 40 years, if I don't make it easy, I better get my license off. <laughs> <laughs> he started laughing. I said, but this is going to be easy for you from now on. You're, you're going to quit looking where the deer aren't and start looking where they are. And so... The glassing lessons, I just like to give back, Jay. I think that and I, I've told my son-in-law and my son, look, I've been blessed with the ability to find deer, and so why can't you help people with, so that they can find deer? And so you bet. We just started the glassing lessons back up, and if anybody's interested, you know, give us a call, and we'd, we'd love to take you and, and, and spend the morning. 
you normally do you know singles or groups or you know twos and threes? We, no, we do both. I get three hundred dollars for a person, but if they bring their buddy, we cut fifty dollars off of of each of them, so it's two hundred and fifty bucks. And and we take groups too because you'll have guys that want to have three or four guys there, you know. And the only thing they've got to have is a tripod and binoculars. You can't come to the class if you don't because it's not helping you at all. But if they have that, then the rest is history. Then. We're going to, you know, I stop at about seven or eight or different places. It's just not for one place. I tell them to move, to move. It's like bass fishing. I said, are we seeing every deer? Probably not, but we're seeing 90%. If you see 90% at each time, you're going to see a big deer. I think that's one thing that's maybe gotten looked over and maybe a little bit forgotten is there's been so much emphasis on, you know, sitting up high and glassing and really pounding it out. But there is something to... You know, spending 45 minutes to an hour and moving 45 minutes to an hour in another spot, 45 minutes to an hour. And in the course of a morning from sun up to, you know, say 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, you could have already hit four or five different spots. Do you feel like that's a strategy that you have used for 40 years to be successful? Yes, you better believe it. That's exactly that's exactly how I've been successful. And and more times than not, that move, we found the buck and was able to kill it. And, and, I, and I, I tell the guys on the lessons or the clients, if we just stayed back there, we wouldn't have found this deer. So yeah, that's exactly it. I think it's very important to move and to move a lot. And then that being said, now, let, let's say we find a great big deer, then I don't move. That's the difference. If we find, you know, 120 or 30 deer and I know where he's at, and the game changes, Jay. We stay and we get different angles. We just keep moving till he makes a mistake. But if you don't find that deer, you just can't keep glassing and seeing the same does. Yeah, for sure. And I think, too, as on those earlier hunts, sometimes it's, you know, you can sit a little bit more in one spot because you're only they're only going to be moving for a short period of time and you've got to catch them when they're moving. But Certainly on some of these Kaibab hunts, on these late hunts, and, and even some of these uh, later Cooster hunts when they're up and moving on their feet more, it just makes sense if you pound it out for 45 minutes or an hour and then change your angle uh, and change your look, you're still catching deer on their feet. So your, your level of productivity goes way up because the deer are on their feet. Whereas if they're not on their feet and you're moving around all the time, you're kind of missing that 10 minute window when they might be up. That's right. That's exactly what I showed the young man a couple of days ago. And I said, don't look at that hillside no more. They're on that northwest cut, so those cuts right there. And really what was really nice, he glassed a deer. He said, I see one, Mr. Adams. I said, you see one? He said, it's underneath that oak tree. And, he, and I said, you got it, son. I said, he said, man, he got so excited. He said he was going to PM you and, and tell you. And I said, well, please do. But, you know, I appreciate you. You've sent me hundreds of people to glass and, and – uh, and I thank God none of them has talked bad about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always great um, getting to talk to you on the podcast. And, uh, again, I encourage any Unit 1 elk hunters, uh, if, if they're looking for a guide, uh, Dwayne has uh, got some room there for some archery elk hunts and those uh, early um, firearm season elk hunts. Uh, give Dwayne a call. Uh, also for deer, Dwayne, we've got this deadline June 9th. Uh, wish you the best of success on the draw. And it's always great talking to you. I want to give you a chance, and I'll also link it up in the show notes of how people can best reach you. Yes, sir. Give me a call at Dwayne Adams, and my phone number is 
888-489-4995. And you don't have to hire me. Just call and give me if you got some questions because I, I understand it. I'd be more willing to try to help anybody you can. But if you'd like to hire us, we'd love to have you. And, Jay, one other thing. We're, we're hunting uh, archery, archery deer in the Kaibab. Uh, we haven't talked about that, but we've been killing some great deer up there uh, in the Kaibab. So if anybody draws that archery Kaibab tag, give us a call. And uh, and you can follow me on uh, Dwayne Adams Hunting on, on Instagram and uh, my Facebook page. And, and uh, I'd love to talk to all of you. Yeah, and another thing you've been doing, uh, Dwayne, is you've been answering a lot of questions on social media. And so my hat's off to you for giving your time and answering those questions. I want to encourage people to check Dwayne out on his social media and, and uh, you can go back and watch those question and answer sessions. So uh, Dwayne, it's always great. Uh, good luck in the draw and um, let's hope for uh, better times with everything going on. God bless you, Jay. and God bless America. Bye-bye. All, right. All right, buddy. Take care.